0: Steelers fans welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host as always Tony DeFio. I thank you for joining me on this glorious glorious Friday night in Pittsburgh and I hope it's glorious weather-wise wherever you are in Steeler Nation Pittsburgh or otherwise. And before I get started I'd just like to ask you to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Curtain YouTube channel where we bring you live shows each and every night. And day including this show. And we have the Steelers hangover on Monday with Brian, Anthony Davis, and Shannon White. We have the touchdown under show, which you saw a few hours earlier. If you if you watched it live, that's with Mendy Paverall and Mark Davidson. We have the Steelers preview every Thursday with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian. We have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White every Wednesday. We have the Scobro show every Tuesday with Dave and his brother, Rich. I think that's everything. Tate boys. Uh, Kevin Tate has a show. Uh, I forget the day that's on. I think it's on weekend. Of course, Brian has some shows on on Saturday and Sunday. So please check it out. and You can check all those live shows out live on Facebook, too. So if you're watching me on Facebook... Hello, I hope to bring you a good show tonight. And you can catch all of those live shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. In addition to that, we have a, an audio-only side to the podcasting platform. You can, you can listen to those shows every day and on any audio platform of your choosing. There's uh, Let's Fry with Jeff Hartman, The Live Mic with Michael Beck, The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, from the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict, what he's talking about with Kyle Kreiss. Chris Yu has has a show. So you, you could you could you could uh, uh, the, the War Room. Matty Pepperell has, has has his own show too. So uh, you know we, we got you covered. Uh, Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts they have a, a draft podcast each and, and they're doing they're doing <laughs> tremendous work. This is Andrew's time of the year, and, and Jeremy. I mean, they, they, they're just totally up on, on everything NFL draft, and with less than a week to go before the first round, this is their Super Bowl, I'm, I'm sure. So please check their work out. Andrew does a lot of great work, and so does Jeremy. They do it in written form and in podcasting form, form. so please check those guys out. And, of course, check out Behind the So Curtain, the website where we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown anything steelers related we're gonna have it for you it's your one-stop shop for all your steelers needs and let's see who we have in the live chat who was number one on this friday night jared devil all right jared devil was always aiming for that number one spot and he was the first one in mike c from youtube says what's up devin logan says the same thing but he's from facebook joining us brian brown steelers pittsburgh Kathy Ford. And she says, consolation of being sick. I get to watch the shows. I get to catch the shows. Well, I hope you feel better, Kathy. Anderson, or I'm sorry, Harrison Schultz, who asks, right out of the gate, please tell me the Steelers are going OT or D line with their number one and not QB or any other position. Well, I can't tell you that, Harrison. I wish I could. I can guess. But my guess is just as good, and probably worse than a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna know the answers to those questions in less than a week. So we'll, we'll transition from from speculation to to analyzing these picks. You know, as as people always say, though, some people will be happy, it'll be s- sad. I posted a mock draft on Friday. don't, don't usually do that, but I, I figured I'd give it a try. i'm conducting, conducting a little exercise, and uh, somebody said about my draft I, I appreciate the hard work, but I would be despondent. They used the word despondent" to describe the, their their um their reaction to to such a draft to that hypothetical draft, so you can only imagine how people are going to feel. When the real thing is finally here, but that's every year. So, um, you, you could go in any number of directions with that number one pick and you're going to, as far as your opinion, and you're going to have people like you, Harrison, that are like, yes, I wanted to know all along, or I wanted to D all along. And then somebody else would say, well, I wanted a, uh, I wanted a quarterback. So, you know, it's all speculation, but before I get more into the draft, Uh, Oh, I got to have some more people in here. Uh, Clarence Washington, Myron, Jane, and Bert. Just me, Jeff Comand. All right. Welcome, everybody. Before I get into all that draft talk, I just want to get into Friday's uh, news of the day. And that's uh, it was announced that the Steelers through various sources, including, including Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, that the Steelers have reached a, an agreement with Terrell Edmonds a strong safety on a one-year deal. So he's back in the fold. Um, it's, he he was out there on the free agent market for gosh, what? Six weeks now. I I figured somebody would snatch him up and, and, and I realized he's not a, he's not the most popular and beloved Steeler player. Um, you know, He was a first round pick in 2018, 28th overall. There's no question that he was a he was overdrafted. But you know, I, I thought up to this point he's had a fairly solid Steelers career. His first four years, he seems he seems to have gotten better each and every year. He's very durable, very consistent, and again, very solid. And he's just the kind of safety that you would normally pair with a a dynamic player like a Mickey Fitzpatrick. So um, I'm glad to see him back Uh, again. I don't know why he didn't get more love on the open market. Um, Usually the free agency period is where decent players, not great players, but decent players go to make good money. And for whatever reason, Edmonds didn't make that good money. I mean, relatively speaking in the football world. And it's, 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 I guess a bit of a mystery as to why maybe, maybe Tyron Matthew really is setting the market. Um, I know other safeties have signed, so that, that can't be the entire thing, but his deal, Edmund's deal is reportedly worth two and a half million, which is just a shock. (laughs) That's, that's, uh, as somebody said, I think it was uh Mark Caboli. That's less than on paper anyway, than what Marcus Allen is going to make in 2022. 20, so uh, I don't get it. Um, uh, he's not this bust of a player that people make him out to be. I mean, uh, you know, uh, people take things to the extreme and Terrell Edmonds is certainly not a bust. He's certainly not a, a liability in that secondary. You've seen how they've handled liabilities in the recent past. I mean, they, they pinched Artie Burns by his third year. I think he was, he was, uh, almost exclusively a special teams player by the time he left here. So, I mean, that's the guy that was drafted in 2016. Jarvis Jones had a hard time, uh, seeing the field. Uh, James Harrison was basically taking his place by the end there. So, you know, they're not going to just leave a guy in there for four straight years, uh, if he is a total liability. So, you know, he's not the horrible player that people make him out to be. And of course, he's not a superstar, but he's pretty good. And usually pretty good players like that, pretty good young players get paid in free agency and with the salary cap being expanded this year, uh it's again, it's just a mystery as why why he wasn't snatched up by another team. But for selfish reasons, I'm glad the Steelers have him for one more year because it it helps solidify a defense that I think can be really good if all the right pieces are in place and maybe even dominant, like it wasn't in nineteen. I mean, there's that possibility. Obviously, you, you know all the the, the 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 people coming back, uh, Watt, Highsmith, um, and then they, they added some new pieces and Jack and and um, Levi Wallace. And of course you have, you have to and, and Alu Alu coming back and Hayward had pretty much the best year of his career last year on the line. And he, he had no help to that degree. Anyway, to the degree of a to it and, and, and Alu, uh, and, Alu Alu all year. So, uh, you know, Devin Bush, you know, if he improves and plays close to the player, they thought it could be when they traded up to get him in 2019. If he makes that leap this year, I mean, this could be a really fantastic defense. So to have somebody like Edmonds in there, a steady guy who who plays well in the box and he he is really good at covering tight ends, something that's been a problem for their defense for a number of years. So I mean that's one aspect that gets underappreciated when you're talking about Terrell Evans, you know. So to have him back in the fold, I think is it's it's a good sign for the 2022 defense because I think it's gonna have to I don't want to say carry the team, but it's going to have to be the, the, uh, the better unit of the two, I would think, for the Steelers to to be to stay in the mix all year, you know. So that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year with Edmonds. I mean, people are saying it's a prove it deal, but I mean, <laughs> what, I mean, he's what what does he have to prove? He's he's a so- solid player. He's he's a, a steady player. I mean, if anybody's expecting him to suddenly turn into Ronnie Lott, um, or Troy Polamalu, or whatever, in, in in his fifth year, that's probably not going to happen. You, you know, you, you want him to keep doing the the things that that he's been doing, only a little bit better. When when he's paired with the Mick Fitzpatrick, that's pretty much all he needs to be. But I think overall, what this tells me, the fact that that they weren't, they probably could have gotten Edmonds signed to a, a, the fact that he settled up for two and a half million. It probably tells me that he was looking for a deal around, and this is just speculation. I have no way of knowing this. I'm not a certainly not an expert in this field, but if if somebody like like Fitzpatrick's going to command 15, 16, 17 million a year, which is probably what he's going to want and command, because that's what the top safeties in the NFL are getting, Edmonds, you would think, um, would get 8 to 10 million a year. Uh, you know, a, a young guy, a solid starter, a consistent, healthy starter. So the fact that that they wouldn't even give him that, that tells me that it's, it's, it's kind of like, like what we saw last year, a cornerback. And pr- what we're going to keep seeing with, with outside linebacker, they're only going to be willing to give one player big money and the other player they're probably going to try to get by on the cheap. You know, through drafting and 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 that player playing on his rookie deal until it's time for them to become a free agent. I think that's how they're going to handle this now with these uh with these you know various units on on, on the team. So uh, I, I don't know what Edmonds can do this year <laughs> that would say to them, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna lock you up to a multi year deal at fair value next year." So I don't know what what it is Edmonds is is could, could do to convince them this year. So what that tells me is uh, he's probably going to be gone next year and they might draft a safety uh, this year. Not Maybe not in the first round, but certainly maybe second, third, fourth round and hope that that, uh, that that player could could develop into a starter, which, I mean, it's, it's reasonable. I mean, when you're playing with somebody like Fitzpatrick, it's reasonable to accept, expect that, especially when you consider that, Edmonds was mocked in the second, third round, uh, the year that he was drafted in the first round by Pittsburgh. So theoretically, I mean, you know, you, you could get a, a solid starter as the second, third or fourth round pick. So that's what it tells me right now. I don't know. I mean, the fact that, that he only got one year for that kind of money, it's, it's just puzzling to me. So that's pretty much all I had to say about Edmonds. Edmonds, um, some other news, that came across this week was the the report on i think it was monday maybe it was tuesday that deontay johnson isn't going to or wasn't going to be attending the uh, first week of voluntary workouts the otas i guess that's what, where they are now um and of course this these are just rumors you know andrew filiponi of the fan basically just said a source tells me blah 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 on twitter that Edmonds. It's not reporting for voluntary workouts, and he's looking for a new deal. Of course, Ed or, um, uh, Johnson disputed that and said that's not that's not the whole story, or that it isn't any any part of the story. B- basically, in so many words. But um, my feeling on 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 these OTAs voluntary workouts they haven't changed. The feelings haven't changed they're voluntary. So, um, I realize that these can be weaponized by either the, the, uh, the media and slash fans or the player when it comes to money, you know, if, a if a player, uh, just decides he's not going to come to one of these workouts for, for just personal reasons that have nothing to do with money. Nobody even talks about it. Nobody even knows about it. But if it's, if it's, been determined that the players not uh, uh, participating in these meetings or or these workouts because of uh from because he wants to prove a point in terms of uh his contract. Then it becomes a story, and and it, it gets weaponized by by everybody involved, and it becomes a big deal for some reason. And again, like I like I say every year, and I've been saying this for gosh, I think over a decade now if you if you, if these workouts are really that important for these for these uh players for these teams then you got to make it mandatory you have to fight fight for that every time there's a new a new uh, CBA being negotiated if you're the owners or the GMs or the coach whoever's whoever feels these are important and we know the coaches feel these are important they feel they think everything's important then you have to fight for it and make it mandatory otherwise you you really can't Criticize these players for not for not participating if they don't want to, for whatever reason. Even if it's just to prove a point uh, in terms of their contract, you can't hold it against them for for not showing up. I mean, you know, and people always say they like to compare their their work lives to these players' work lives. Like, you know, I hate to get into it, but like a few years ago when the, when the anthem stuff was was big. One of the popular refrains was, "Well, if I if I did that at my job, I'd be fired." Well, first of all, you're not going to be kneeling at your job. People would think you're crazy because you don't have the kind of platform uh, that, that a professional athlete does. So it's kind of comparing apples and oranges. But yet, when there's a a something that all people, most people, can relate to, and that's being forced to do something at your job that you're not required to do not really getting paid to do being kind of pressured into doing that. I think we could all relate to that because what if, what if your boss like had a, you know, Baptist like, like Seinfeld, when Elaine's boss kind of tried to pressure her into going to, to his, I guess it was his kid's bris. And she wanted to go to a baseball game. So she, she lied about, said she was something. I forget what the lie was. And then, she was photographed at a baseball game or she made a, you know, she was, ki- she was kicked out of the baseball game and she made news and she was scared to death that her boss would find out. Meanwhile, she didn't do anything wrong. I mean, she didn't have to lie about, about not wanting to go to her boss's bris, you know? So imagine if you were in that situation and, and you you were, you felt pressured into doing something uh, that your boss wanted you to do off the clock wouldn't you be mad, mad about that? So you would think this is something that more people could relate to, but they don't relate to that. It's, you know, he should be there. You know, the usual stuff. He's a, he's a diva. He's a piece of garbage. He's a piece of trash. He's a trash human being for not coming to these voluntary workouts. So it's every year. It's the same thing. And, you know, honestly, and I, 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 I this stuff just doesn't bother me. And I, I hate to say, sound like somebody who thinks he's above it all. Cause I'm not, but I mean, I've been following sports for so long. This is not new stuff, you know, uh, contract disputes have been going on since as long as sports have been going on. I mean, this is, this stuff's been happening, you know, since before I was born. And I certainly have been following it since a kid, l- a little kid. And it's, 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 um it's not unprecedented yet. People act like it is every year and they, They act like there's never going to be another contract dispute and, and and, you know, they, they really take it personal. And I don't know why, because anytime you have a CBA and you have contracts and you have, um, these, you know, deals, uh, these other players signing new deals all the time. Well, money's going to be a a part of, of the storyline when it comes to sports. So, you know why we take it so personal, I don't know, but we should you know Johnson has done nothing in my eyes up to this point that would make people really hate him so much <laughs> and, and, and and we don't even know if he's not showing up because of uh, uh, trying to prove a point he might not, might have had something else he had to do you know and and I saw like the the list of People who who were at the at the uh, at these workouts. It's not, it's not like it was the whole team. I think it was maybe barely half the team. So, you know, really, what's what's the big deal? You know, uh, last year TJ Watt didn't participate in in training camp fully, even though he was under contract and even though he it, it was mandatory. And everybody seemed to understand that because he was trying to avoid injury. You know, so what's the difference between TJ Watt and De- Deontay Johnson? You know, it's just. It's to me, it's, it's, it's a big old nothing burger. And I'm not going to worry about Deontay Johnson's um, participation until maybe training camp. If he doesn't show up for training camp, maybe that's an issue because he'll be showing up or he'll, he'll be holding out. Then that'll be an official holdout, not coming to these OTAs. is not a holdout. That's just not a holdout. It's a voluntary exercise. So, But regarding Johnson, um, I, I think it's funny how, how really, I mean, he's been a, a steadily improving player since his first year here. And uh, he's never really caught on with with, uh, with the fans as far as being a good player. And I think a lot of it, honestly, is Antonio Brown kind of spoiled us when it comes to true greatness with a receiver. I mean, he was an all-time great. You can say what you want about him. you know, He's a goof. There's no doubt, but then again, so was Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, Frank Sinatra had his problems, but yet, you know, their their talents were undeniable. So, you know, sometimes uh, you have to separate the the true greatness of a of a person's profession, you know, what they what, what they can do professionally at their, at their with their life calling, with their personalities. And Antonio Brown was just so awesome, uh, clearly a first ballot Hall of Fame. Type player so you know when, when you see somebody who's performing who's a really good receiver probably a, if, if there are like two tiers of number one receivers in the NFL I'd say Deontay Johnson's in that second tier he's a really good player and he's had a really good start to his career he has 254 catches 2764 yards 20 touchdowns I mean his only and when you compare him to, to somebody like Debo Samuel and a lot of people have been doing that this week you know samuel has 167 catches roughly 2600 yards and of course you know you factor in the the rushing uh element to his game he has uh 550 rushing yards and anyone 81 carries so clearly uh, samuel is is, he's been more of a big play threat you know if you look at his yards per catch it's 16.3 and and uh DJ Johnson and Deontay Johnson is, uh, a little under 11. So you could you could make a case for either, either player. So I I don't think there's, there's a huge separation, uh, there, but in the eyes of, and I think this is, this is more of the recency bias because Samuel had such a, uh, he, he played such a vital role in the 49ers deep playoff run and he looked really cool lining up in the backfield and you know as a playing that role from time to time. But really they're comparable players. And and you know, the rumors with, with Johnson has been that he wants a contract. And again, he's never said this, but the rumor seems to be he wants a contract around 17 18 million a year, which people find to be too much. But this is really what uh, Antonio Brown and, and, and receivers of his ilk were, were getting six, seven years ago. The top receivers were making this m- amount of money. Well, now those guys are making 25, 30 million a year. So it stands to reason the way these things are slotted that Johnson would be making around 18 million a year now on a new deal. And if you look at some of the players that, that are making 18 million a year, Kenny Galladay of the, of the, Gi- I think I how you say his name from the Giants in five years, he has 220 receptions for just under 3,600 yards. Christian Kirk, that, that's the famous one that just signed a deal with the, uh, I think it was the Panthers, right? Or no, no, the J- Jaguars, uh, 236 catches for 2,900 yards in four years. And Johnson has put up comparable, if not better numbers in three years. So, you know. To say that he's not, that he, that's preposterous that he makes that kind of money. I know he has a drop issue and everything, but people have pointed out that so is Samuel. He's had drop issues, especially last year. So, you know, maybe the Steelers don't want to pay that. Okay, fine. You don't want to pay that kind of money. But the the alternative is you're going to have to keep throwing draft picks. Like I said, two weeks ago, you have to keep throwing draft picks at the receiver position and hoping that you hit. And to me, I think somebody like, like Johnson, when, when you're, when you have so, so much uncertainty at the quarterback quarterback position right now, uh, I'd say you want a, whether it's a guy like Trubisky or a young guy, a rookie, or even, you know, Mason Rudolph, I think you'd want to surround them with reliable weapons, which Johnson for the most part has been. And, you know, Chase Claypool is still a work in progress and he's uh, heading into his third year. If you draft a really good uh, young receiver and, and he, and he pans out for you, well, that's a really, then all of a sudden now you have a, a really good receiving core again, led by Johnson who would, you know, kind of be a veteran, you know, at this point, if, if you're talking about having a Ben Roethlisberger in his prime or, or a receiver of that caliber, or I'm sorry, a quarterback of that caliber, then I could see you maybe going with younger receivers, you know, because, you know, like Brett Favre used to say, I just used to look for the, the same color jersey as me that was open, and that's who I would throw the ball to. You know, when you have a receiver, uh, quarterback who's that good, they're going to make any receiver look good for the most part. But when you have a a, a younger quarterback or, or one who's still trying to prove himself like a Trubisky, I think you'd want to have better weapons. So, you know, Uh, I think eventually the Steelers are going to have to, you know, like they did last year with TJ Watt and paying him $80 million. They're going to have to come to the realization that, that they're going to have to pay. They can't sit around and wait for a once in a lifetime receiver, like a Heinz Ward or an Antonio Brown to come along before they are willing to give big money. They're going to have to get with the times and realize that even pretty good number one receivers are going to command more money than they're used to paying. So that's all I had to say about that. Um, I just, it's just, it's just an inter- interesting thing with, with Johnson because he, I think he's a good player. I really do. I think he, he has the chance to be a superstar, but you know, things are changing and, and now a lot of people are starting to talk about the receiver position being like their running back position as a, you know, you could find them anywhere. Well, if that's the case, then why haven't the Steelers been able to do that? Uh why weren't they, weren't they able to to develop some of these guys that they've drafted, you know, or more, I should say more of these guys that they've drafted over the last 10, 12 years. Like like a James Washington, like a uh, uh what the heck is his name? <laughs> I forget his name. Uh Marcus Wheaton, uh people like that. Even lower on picks like uh uh Marcus um where I forget. from 2016, those guys, Sammy Coates, another example. Why have they, why, why isn't their, their batting average a little bit better? So, those are my thoughts. And since um, this is my last show before the draft, I figured i would have an extended question and answer. I mean, I'm, you know, I've said all I could say about the draft. I mean, I, I well, maybe not. I'm going to say more right now. I, I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me what they did, uh, no matter what they did. Quarterback, tackle, offensive tackle. Although I I found out something pretty recently from listening to talk radio. They've only drafted two tackles in the first round over the last 30 years, 30 plus years, which I thought was pretty interesting. So uh, whether it's a tackle, receiver, which I think is a a real possibility in the first round. Quarterback, of course, is, is in play until it's not. Defensive line's in play. Uh, even inside linebacker, I think might be in play because you just don't know about Devin Bush or even miles Jack who struggled a lot last year. So those are my thoughts. And now I'd like to hear yours. So let's see what you guys have. And Kathy Ford asks very first uh, question for tonight. Will you be on next Friday? I don't think so. I think uh, the way they've been doing it the last couple of years is uh, it'll be people like uh, Brian and Jeff, uh, Dave, uh, talking about the second and third round, maybe talking about the previous night's first round. That's how they've been doing it the last couple of years. I don't, I don't anticipate being on, but I'll surely be on the following Monday with Brian and and, and Shannon. So you can catch, catch me there, but, and I'll be on this Monday, of course, with Brian and Shannon. And remember we have our, uh, our, our live chat mock draft uh, this Monday. So if you haven't gotten your, uh, your, your, if if the list isn't for you, you, you can still get your uh, email, Brian, and, and he'll put you on the list as far as uh, uh, picking uh, in in the first round of uh of, of the draft, the thirty-two team draft. Dark Storm says, "I am curious to see how Washington will do in Dallas. I mean, I, I think they have a better situation offensively. I think Dak, Dak Prescott's a heck of a quarterback. He might not get the respect nationally, or." That uh, maybe uh, he should But he's a really good quarterback <laughs> Ryan O'Toole says We vote that you're on next Friday No matter what Well, I, my ego appreciates that, Ryan Thank you I'll, 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 I'll talk to the higher-ups Anthony Baker asks Do you think the Steelers would take Kenny Pickett at 20? I think if he's there They're going to take him if, if either he or Malik Willis are there they're going to take that person, wh- whoever that is. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't anticipate either one being there, honestly, but if one of those guys is there, believe me, shouldn't say believe me, but I have a strong feeling that they're going to take whoever that quarterback happens to be. I just, I, I, the, all the signs point to it. Now, I don't, again, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think, I think uh, one of those quarterbacks is going to be gone at least by the time the Panthers pick at number six and then you have a, a bunch of other the Saints have two number one picks they certainly could use a, a young quarterback and they and they have two picks ahead of Pittsburgh so that's uh, you know when, you, when you're when you talking about uh, teams with two picks and they also need a quarterback well then that makes it a little easier for them to, to, to take a chance on a quarterback and, and and see if they could if they can uh, develop one so I think the odds are, are are slim that either one of those guys is going to be there but if by chance they are uh, then they're gonna take him. now I also wouldn't be shocked and they opened the door for this a few years ago. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they traded up. I just there's this part of me that has a feeling that they're gonna do that. They're gonna trade up and they're gonna take Willis if they do. that's who they're gonna to pick if they if they trade up so and this is uh, Scott Michael Bowers. How funny would it be if history repeats itself and both Willis and Pickett are the first two quarterbacks off the board and the, and the third guy, Ritter or Corral, becomes ours and, de- and develops into something respectable. Well, that's what happened in 2004. Very good, Scott. Uh, obviously, Eli Manning was the he was the toast of that draft. He was the talk of that draft. The Chargers had the number one pick, but he was not going to play for the Chargers. They, they selected him. They traded him to the Giants. And the Giants, uh, selected Philip Rivers, number four overall, and they traded him to San Diego and Ben Roethlisberger thought he would go by the fourth pick. The Giants, if you, if you watch, uh, the, the, um, if the, 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 caught in the draft, uh, special about the Oh four draft, the Giants, according to er- Ernie, uh, Corsi, the the GM at the time, they were going to pick Ben Roethlisberger number four, but the, uh, the Chargers picked Eli Manning number one, even though he was in, he he was pretty emphatic that he was not going to play for them, and that changed everything, because I guess the uh, the Chargers wanted Rivers. I think that's how it was, and so that so the Giants drafted him, and then they made a huge trade to swap quarterbacks, and then that allowed Roethlisberger to fall to number eleven, even though the Browns certainly could have used a quarterback at that point, um, and they passed him up and. You never know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's funny. Like, cause, Cause people talk about, you know, some of these great draft classes of the past. Like, they talk about the 83 class, um, Marino Elway Kelly. Uh, how can you not, I mean, those guys are, 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 legendary, but you know, uh, Todd Blackledge was picked in the top 10 that in that draft. He didn't really have much of a career. He, I mean, he played a while, but he didn't have a, he wasn't a star. um, Tony Easing was in. That, he was picked in the first round. He was good for a little bit, but not not very long. Ken O'Brien was really good, but you know he was not um, the same level as Elway, Marino, and uh, of course Kelly. And I, I think is that it for that class for that first round. But anyway, my point is, you know, those guys. You know, it's 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 uh it's not that that was a great class, but it wasn't a hundred percent uh success you know it was a little over 50 percent good which actually for the draft is pretty good anyway but you know uh the point is one or two of these quarterbacks in this class is probably going to be good probably going to have a really good career so you can't just write off the entire class before before the draft even gets here because there are no guarantees that they're all going to be bad and there are no guarantees about next year's crop of quarterbacks, Scott Michael Bowers. But by the way, I agree with you, Tony. If Willis slips out of the top ten, I do think the Steelers are going to do everything they can to get him. Just like, yeah, it's it's just a gut gut feeling. I think uh, I think if they um, if he if he slips if he starts slipping in the if one of those two guys starts slipping closer to them uh at 20 they're gonna you know because there are a couple of teams in front of them that have multiple first round picks and if they can swing a deal to uh move up to one of those spots and they you know they might just do it because again the point is to find your guy as quickly as possible not to wait around and 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 uh for some hypothetical better draft class of quarterbacks but then again, like the, 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 like the disclaimer with that is, you know, they have to feel strongly about about somebody. They have to be, truly believe that this guy is good. You're not drafting a quarterback just to do it. That's just, that wouldn't be smart. That's not, that's how they got already Burns. Ryan O'Toole asks thoughts on to it playing or not this season. I think he's going to play. I mean, I think all the signs now point to him playing. Um, I mean, you're not going to know for sure. Until a training camp rolls around and and he shows up, but the 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 arrow seems to be pointing towards him playing as of right now. I think I think that's kind of where where they they are as an organization. You know, they, they feel like he's going to play, so I, I'm pretty confident he's going to play. I think if 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 they thought if they were pretty if they, if they felt that he may not play again this year or, or he was leaning towards not playing, I think they would have made a move by now. To part ways honestly Uh this close to um The draft and You still have Uh basically you only have Three months before training camp so I think if they felt Like he wasn't on board This year they they would have made a move And then here's another one from dark storm I feel like matt corral might be the best of the bunch after willis I mean that's the thing you just don't Know you just don't know uh uh, it wasn't long ago that Corral was considered the, uh, the, the top quarterback. I mean, it was long ago in 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 draft coverage world, well, it was like January, but Corral was considered maybe the best of the bunch back in January or so. And then Malik Willis, uh, came along and blew, blew everybody away. And of course, Pickett, um, had such a great senior season and, 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 and acquitted himself fairly well in, in, in his, uh, off season, uh, at at the senior bowl and and, in the combine and the pro day. So corral has slipped, but you know, again, these, these things change constantly. And this is from, uh, Dark storm. If Watson is is a, is a top five quarterback, the Browns will, will be very good. Yeah, I mean that's such a huge factor. If not, if not, they crumble in a few seasons due to his contract. Even if he is really good, they might have some problems in a few seasons uh, because of that contract. And I think when when, when you see attitudes start to shift when when it comes to some of these positions and how and what teams are willing to spend, like uh, you're hearing, you know, wide receiver now is becoming. in in, in some circles it's being looked at as the way they started looking at running backs a few years ago. I think a part of it is, well, we got to pay these quarterbacks so much money. So uh, yeah, you you can, you can go out and find a receiver at, at, at at, uh, in any round and develop him into something really good, especially if you have a really good quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, I think that's going to be the attitudes of a lot of teams because, because, uh, the the quarterback is going to take up so much of the cap space. A really good quarterback, a, a franchise level quarterback. Now, you know what you're seeing with the with the with Devontae Adams in Oakland or Oakland, <laughs> Las Vegas, and of course Tariq Hill in Miami. Uh, they went to teams that maybe need receivers to elevate their quarterbacks. Obviously, Tua in Miami, and, and of course, I mean Derek Carr is really good, but a weapon like Adams could, you know, really turn his career uh, or not turn it around, but really elevate his career as a quarterback. So, you know, maybe you're going to see that in the future. Uh, if, 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 cause just because you start to devalue a receiver, the position uh, it's not like running back, you know, a receiver, you know, a, really good receivers are still playing into their 30s now a lot of running backs they start wearing out by their mid to late 20s so what you're going to have in the future if you if you start devaluing receivers and and saying we can we can find them in the draft well you're going to have a lot of disgruntled receivers out there who are still really good and really productive so what's going to start happening is that they're going to be traded and get they're still going to get mega deals but they're going to be traded to teams maybe with with uh quarterbacks who, who are are not making uh franchise quarterback money that's just my guess because that's what we've seen with uh with Adams and and uh and Tariq Hill so far so you know when, when you're the Packers and you have to pay Aaron Rodgers but you have to pay him there's not a whole lot of room to, to, to pay what Devontae Adams wanted and of course you know we all know what Patrick Mahomes is making so uh <laughs> Tariq Hill is making what 30 million dollars a year now or whatever it is so close to it it's kind of hard to have those two salaries on your on your uh, team at the same time so you might see a lot because i I think receivers are are still going to want to get paid uh just because you say they're not they're they're um they're a dime a dozen doesn't mean there's there's still not gonna be a lot of really good receivers out there who are head and shoulders above above uh these draft picks that you just you just uh brought under your team so And this is from uh, George Ott. Beating the Steelers in the playoffs will, will be the Browns' highlight of the century. Well, so far, that's been the highlight. That's been their highlight since they uh, came back into the league in 1999. But uh, they, they, they made a huge commitment to Deshaun Watson to make sure that wasn't their, their only highlight of the century. So, uh, y- you know, the, the, the window on them winning is, uh, is officially open. The question is, how long will it remain open? Because that's a that's a monster of a contract, and they have a lot of a lot of good players on that team that, that are going to want. You know, they have to, they're already paying Miles uh, Garrett. So, uh, how long before his salary can coexist with uh, Deshaun Watson's salary? That's the thing about these uh about these uh, mega franchise quarterback deals. And uh, it's, this is a Steelers. Pittsburgh says, Sonia wants the Steelers to get Baker Mayfield. You know what? That's kind of, I mean, not to sound crazy, but that's not uh, that crazy of an idea. Like if, if, if Mitch Trubisky wasn't around and, and, and Baker Mayfield was cut tomorrow, I'd snatch him up. I'm sorry. I would, you know, he's, a, he's shown that he could be a pretty good quarterback. In the past, his biggest problem last year was injury. Now, there are, there are concerns about his uh, his attitude, and uh, maybe he's not the best locker room guy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, certainly, uh, OBJ has had a, a checkered past as far as his character, locker room uh, character. But for some reason, uh, Baker Mayfield made OBJ look like a look look like the good guy last year. So maybe there's something about Baker Mayfield that is uh it screams diva and and, and somebody who maybe isn't as good in the locker room as, as uh, you need a quarterback to be. So, all right, folks, that's it for me. I'm going to call it a night. Had a, had a good time talking with you guys. I have to uh, eat some late dinner and go to bed. I'm tired. So, I thank you for uh, joining me and, and, uh, and, and uh, talking about the draft and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, in just six days, you're going to know the answer to, uh, to the this four-month-long question. What do you think the Steelers are going to do in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft? And I, and I certainly, if I don't talk to you on Monday, I certainly hope you have a great time watching the draft. And remember... No matter if you're really really happy or really really angry or in, in the middle, it is a crapshoot. So even if you really hate the pick, he could be a superstar. If you in, 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 if you're jumping for joy, he could be a bust. Just remember, think of it that way, and maybe it'll be more enjoyable. Or maybe maybe I just made it worse for you. I don't know. But anyway, you guys have a great great weekend, and as always, go Steelers. Take care, everybody the bad